Welcome to the Siren Thriving Podcast, inspiring you to own your years and thrive for life. A place where we think money helps you become more of who you already are. The sunlight to your seed. All right. Hello, Thrivers. Welcome to our series, Financial Fitness with Siren and Sasha, where we help absolute beginner investors get started on their journey to financial freedom by making investing accessible for any and everyone through digestible, organized, and action-oriented content. So today we are at episode two, where we are going to dive into inflation. So welcome, Sasha. I want to get straight to the quick and dirty. What is inflation? Why should I care? And what does it have to do with investing? Inflation is an invisible force that robs you of your hard-earned money in various ways. To quote a Nobel Prize winning economist, Milton Friedman, inflation is taxation without legislation. Can we break that down? Can you answer those separately? Okay. Inflation is prices of goods and assets going up in costs. Why you should care is because it's happening at a greater rate than you're aware of. And you're becoming poor every day unless you invest. So by investing, you can combat inflation. And in fact, you can use inflation to make yourself wealthy. Okay. So if I were to paraphrase what you just said, inflation is the prices of things that we need going up. You should care because that means the money that you work your ass off for is going to be able to buy less things. And what it has to do with investing is that investing is one of the best ways to combat it. Awesome. So that's the quick and dirty. Let's go back to the traits of what money is in the previous episode. You got up to hardness and security as being the two most important traits of all of the traits that we delineated. So why are those two traits the most important and how exactly does that tie to inflation today? So both hardness and security tie into how good money is a store of value. If it fails at those two traits, hardness or security, because it becomes unpredictable in how much of its supply increases or how much it can be counterfeited or forged, that inflates the supply of money. And if you can inflate the supply of money, then everything that is being priced in that money will go up in price. In in investment and finance, this is called dilution. You dilute the supply. If you think about it, you have a gallon of water and you pour in a little cup of orange juice. You've diluted that orange juice in a gallon of water. It's no longer concentrated. That's what dilution means. This is analogous to money. If the total supply of money is 100, let's say, and then you double it to 200. Now, your one that you had used to be 1%, but now it's only half a percent. So your money can only buy half the stuff out there. So the... Deeper definition of inflation is the price of goods, services, and assets going up and simultaneously the buying power of our units of account going down. Yeah, that's an economist joke 
and a philosophical question when asking about inflation, is the asset growing in value or is the unit of account shrinking in its power? Mm. Right. So it can be either or or both. So it's not always one or the other. So can we go into each of those and how they cause inflation? Sure. So I'm going to do a little Econ 101 refresher for everybody. The most wildly taught and understood principle of economics is supply and demand. It simply states that as prices go up, the, the supply will increase of the thing. So an example, the whole world's supply of oil is produced by many countries and many companies. If a major country is taken out the Middle East because of some conflict or a war. Let's say 10% of the world supply is no longer being supplied. That's a supply shock. All the other producers, because the price now goes up, they are incentivized to produce more because now they're getting more per barrel. Now, this doesn't happen overnight because production isn't a flip of a switch. So there's a little lag when the price spikes and the people that are incentivized to produce it actually were able to produce it and put it on the market and for the market to realize there's more of it and for the prices to come back down. Okay, so supply shock is a significant portion of the suppliers stop for any reason. And then the remaining producers can now charge more for the exact same product, therefore incentivizing them to produce more. Correct. Okay. And that that price increase should be temporary until the supply beats back to the equilibrium with demand and the prices should come back down. This has happened countless times, especially in commodities. Okay, great. Can we give an example of demand? Sure. An example of a demand shock is when there is more demand for a good or a service than there is supply of. So... A demand shock would be something that happens pretty much every year around Christmas time. Everybody wants to buy that hot item. If there's a new PlayStation, everybody wants one, but there's only a limited amount. So the demand is higher than supply. So what happens? They get sold out immediately, and then they get resold at a premium on the secondary market. So people will go to the store, wait in line, pay their $500, and then go and sell them to other people immediately for 1000 because they can't buy it anywhere else for anything less. There's no more supply. So that limited supply is now more valuable because the demand is much higher. More people want it than there's existence of the thing. So those are examples of prices going up. And you could say that is inflation because in- inflation is prices going up. Those are generally transitory things, especially when it comes to commodities. Recently, because of COVID, prices of lumber went up 300% earlier in this year. Why? It was a supply shock and a demand shock at the same time. Supply shock was lumber mills. They shut down because of COVID for safety of their workers. So they weren't making any more lumber. And then everybody wanted to move to a more spacious house out of the cities, creating a higher demand for houses. So this was a dual supply and demand. So what happened? Cost of houses went up. 
the input into building a house largely is lumber. So mm-hmm. if lumber went up 300%, then cost of a house has to calculate that to build it. Mm-hmm. And then there's more people wanting to buy houses now. So that's a demand shock, but there's mm-hmm. only a certain amount of houses built per year. And on average, we didn't see that big of a migration, but everybody moving out of the cities created a shock. Mm-hmm. That's an example of real estate inflation, both from supply and demand shocks. Mm, okay. That's a really clear example. So supply shock drives prices up because there is less supply, but the demand is the same. And then demand shock is demands going up and there is not enough supply. Correct. Okay. Got it. So you've made it really clear how prices going up is a result of supply and demand shock. And then now there's the other theory on what causes inflation, which is money supply. What does that have to do with inflation? So remember how we talked about money, about hardness and security being important to having good, sound money, hardness being resistant to unpredictable supply increase or debasement of its value, security being resistant to counterfeiting or forgery. Mm. The reason that's important is if you dilute the money, And now you inject a bunch of money into circulation. You increase the supply. There's still the same amount of goods out there and services. But now there's more supply of money that can demand them. So you're artificially creating more demand for the same amount of supply of goods, which makes the prices go up. I would argue that government borrowing money, basically creating money out of thin air is akin to counterfeiting because it took no work to create that money. When you go out and you work, you work hard, you trade your time and energy for it and you get money in return. Government literally creates it out of thin air and it's unpredictable and it increases in supply and it debases its value just by simple principle of supply and demand and dilution. If you increase the unit's you, you debase its value. And it's able to increase more because it no longer needs to be backed by anything. Correct. That's what made money hard is being backed by something that actually took work. You have to extract it from the ground. You have to smelt it. You have to mint it into a coin. You can counterfeit it because you knew this was there was this work needed to be done to create this money. And if you think about it, what that money represented was human energy and time. Like it took energy and time to get this out of ground and create this coin. Now, a paper dollar literally costs nothing to create. It represents nothing, no energy, no time. Yet you trade your energy and time for it. Okay, so this ties back to when we got off a gold standard, how that did improve some traits of money, but the two most important ones, hardness and security, are no longer held up by fiat money which is causing the dilution of money. Because in other words, we could just increase money supply by simply typing on a computer or that's how the government does it, correct? That's literally how they do. Just add a couple of zeros, increase our money supply by 30% the next Mm -hmm. day. And just to make it clear, the reason that should concern us is because by increasing the money supply, it causes dilution and therefore 
the exact same money that is in your bank accounts will now have less buying power the more the supply is increased. Okay, so now we know the very basics of what inflation is and what causes it. So how do they even determine what the rate of inflation is? So the Bureau of Labor and Statistics creates this index called the Consumer Price Index. And this is a basket of goods that tries to account for an average person's expenditures monthly. And they put a bunch of different goods in this, everything you can think of that you would spend money on, and they allocate different percentage. And they do this across food, transportation, all these different things. And they come up with this index of how much all of those things are going up in price or down. And they try to aggregate it together into this one number that's kind of a good average for the country. Okay, so just to paraphrase, they take thousands of goods across dozens of areas within our country, and they put all those numbers together to get an average of how much prices have increased. So all of that is called the Consumer Price Index. Where do wages come in in calculating inflation? Do they also go up relative to inflation? I mean, they either go up or down relative to the increase in prices. And generally, over time, wages have not kept up with inflation. You can look at your own increase in your salary each year, and I would venture that it doesn't keep up with inflation. And and just to really dial it in for everyone, let's say inflation is 2%. If your wages didn't go up 2%, then you are literally getting paid 2% less per year, let alone if inflation is more. So let's get down to it. What is the current rate of inflation? Well, there's the official rate that's told to us by the government, and there's the actual rate. The official that was recently publicized by the Bureau of Labor Statistics and the Fed is 5%. The actual is much higher. And one of the points I can use to prove that is BlackRock, one of the biggest asset managers in the world. I think they control a trillion dollars of assets or more. They gave all their employees across the board, I think, 8 or 8.7% inflation adjustment raise. So these people that invest money are saying it's at least 8%, right? It's actually much higher than that, in my opinion. The the rate that the government announces is different than the actual rate of inflation that you are inferring is much higher. You can almost always assume that whatever they're saying is understated. A bias that they have is the government is borrowing insane amount of money in the trillions right now. And through inflation, you are eating away at the debt. Is that clear? No. That the, in inflation, the borrower wins because the money they're going to pay back is going to be worth less later. So let's say you bought a house, you borrowed $500,000 to buy this house. And let's say you're making whatever, $70,000 a year. Over time, your, your salary is going to increase, but the amount you owe on that house is going to stay pretty much the same. You're going to be paying it down. And in a few years, you'll be earning more money. You'll be making $100,000, $150,000 a year. So paying back that debt is going to be easier for you. So you'll win 
because you borrowed their money. The reason the government understates it is because they want inflation to be higher because they're borrowing so much money. It makes it easier for them to pay back the debt in the future if they inflate away the value of the debt they've incurred. I see. So one positive aspect of inflation is that it helps anybody that has debts, including the government, because the debt will pay the same, but that same amount of money will have less value in the future. That blows my mind. So at this point, we've talked about a lot of the detriments of inflation, especially how it literally robs us as people of our time and energy. So how are we managing inflation? In the United States, inflation is managed by the Federal Reserve. They have a dual mandate. One is to keep inflation stable, which is understood to be 2%. Mm. And then to keep unemployment low between 4 and 6%. So you, you don't want 100% of the population employed because then there will be a high demand for labor and cost of labor will go through the roof. Okay, so that makes um, sense why they don't want 0% unemployment because you want to have eligible workers available to be hired. Why do they want a little bit of inflation versus zero? There's two reasons why inflation is desirable. One, inflation benefits the borrower, and the government is a huge borrower. All the money that the government spends comes from debt. That is, after the taxes, it's debt. And if you're borrowing money, inflation is good for you because the the money you're going to pay back later, that money you borrow now is going to be worth less. And there's implied growth obligation. If you think about it, every public company has an obligation to its shareholders to maximize profits and grow each year. And one of the metrics that CEOs and companies are judged on is how much they're growing each year. And if there's inflation, then you can constantly adjust for it and charge more for your product. Just to explain how the Federal Reserve does it. They have this mandate to do it, but how do they actually accomplish it? They accomplish this through a couple of means. Either they change the interest rate. Now, this interest rate is called the federal funds rate, and this permeates through the economy. Once they change how much it costs the banks to borrow money from them, that impacts how much the banks charge you to borrow money. And if the cost of money goes up, that permeates through the entire economy. Think about it, people buying houses. And the reason I use houses often as an example, it's a big ticket item. Plus, when you purchase a home, there's a lot of other things associated with that that people purchase. Furniture, they hire people to fix their home, a gardener, an electrician, a plumber. So it's a huge part of the economy that if you increase the interest rate, people purchase fewer homes because it costs more to borrow the money. Mm-hmm. And it immediately reduces the growth of the economy because now the cost of capital, the money, is higher. So it, it is harder to borrow money. So less people borrow money, less people start businesses, less people buy stuff with borrowed money. And you can see how this uh, feedback loop work, permeates through the economy in either way. If the money is easy, there's lots of money out there to buy lots of stuff. 
if the money's hard, there's less money, less things are being built or bought. But that's how the Federal Reserve controls the inflation and the unemployment, is to just changing the interest rate. Quarter percent or one percent up or down has a huge impact. It moves the markets. It moves economies. So just to be clear on the sequence of events, the Fed lowers interest rates. This stimulates the economy, which causes a increase in inflation. And then conversely, the Fed will increase interest rates to slow down the economy and therefore lessen inflation. Mm-hmm. So we want to be clear that this is obviously much more complex. And then secondly, I'm choosing the words stimulate the economy versus growth because growth can come from other factors. Like productivity. And just to add on to the Federal Reserve and monetary policy, another way to do this is through buying or selling bonds or other assets. So if they buy bonds... What they're doing is they're giving money in exchange for bonds. Now, whoever sold them the bonds has cash in their hands. That's same as the cash being given to them from the government. So that's another way to inject money into the supply is through purchasing bonds or selling. If they sell bonds, they take money out of the system. They're saying, we want your cash. Here's a bond. Okay, got it. Okay, let's get to fiscal policy. How does that tie into all of this? So fiscal policy is government's spending and taxation. Spending, you can imagine, is very similar. It is just government spending money. It's putting money into the system. It's buying goods and services from companies and people. So it's going to Boeing and saying, hey, Boeing airline, build us 100 airplanes. And that has a material impact on the entire economy because Boeing doesn't make all the parts for a single plane. It's thousands of companies, millions of people are employed through Boeing building one airplane. So when government goes out and buys one airplane, that has an impact on the entire economy. And I I use this as an example because the government actually measures the economy growth by looking at Boeing and number of airplanes they deliver each quarter Mm. because it's such a giant operation that employs so many people. So that's one way that the government spends money and injects money into the system. When they do that, that can cause inflation. Right? Didn't that money also come from taxes? Yes, also came from taxes. But vast majority of the money comes from debt. They borrow the money. It's an IOU. So they spend money that didn't exist saying it will exist later. We're going to get it back through taxes, but we're going to spend it now. Mm-hmm. Right? It's future spending spending future money. But money now spent has much more value than that money will have in the future. So Mm -hmm. if they spend a trillion dollars today, 10 years from now, it's much easier to pay back that trillion dollars because it will be worth far less. So the way fiscal policy relates to inflation is the government spends trillions of dollars to do things such as building infrastructure. And some of that comes from taxes but most of it comes from borrowing and that is printing money. Yep. Government just writes an IOU bond. They actually just go to the treasury and say, give us the money and they get the money. And then the treasury sells the bonds, mostly to US investors. Some countries around the world also purchase government bonds because United States 
debt in form of bonds is the safest asset in the world. I say it says never defaulted. And also, if you think about it, how can they? They're the ones printing the money. Mm-hmm. Like if they have to pay back the money and the thing they make, they can always just make it and pay it back. And because this money is borrowed and then it's printed in order to cover the debt, it causes an increase in money supply and thereby causing the dilution of the money supply, thereby causing inflation, meaning your money has less power. Wow. All right. That concludes part one of our episode on inflation. As you can see, it is a really complex topic, and I can't say enough how with each of these topics, you can always go so much deeper, but Sasha and I are determined to give you all the information you need and only the information you need. So we covered the following questions. What is inflation? What causes it? How is it measured? And how is it managed? And as a bonus and surprise, we also learned why inflation happens and the reasons why it tends to go up and even higher than is reported. So let's go through each of those one by one. What is inflation? It is simply the cost of the things you need going up and the buying power of the money you have going down. What causes it? The primary causes are supply shock, demand shock, and an increase in money supply. How is it measured? We learned that the government uses the consumer price index and that they are currently reporting it at 6%. But we also learned that it is likely much higher than that. How is it managed? It is managed by the Fed, otherwise known as the central bank, via raising or lowering interest rates. And they have a mandate to keep inflation at 2%, yet we learned that it is higher. So why does this happen? What we discovered in this episode is that there are benefits to inflation. It benefits those in debt because when you incur debt, the amount of debt will stay the same, but the value of that debt will go down. So for those that are borrowing, inflation is desirable. And who are the biggest borrowers? You guessed it, the government. And for that same reason, here is the other side of the benefits to inflation. When money is printed, those who have access to that money first have the most benefits because they get to spend that money before the value goes down. And who gets access to that money first? You guessed it again, the government and investors. So stay tuned for the next episode where we cover exactly how inflation affects you and how you can actually benefit from inflation as an investor. All right, Thrivers, if you are interested in more free content or you want to support the podcast, please visit sirenthriving.com.